Why would you look outside yourself when you have all of the world inside? One, two, three, four. This is the Prying Priest Podcast, and I'm Father Yuri Hladio. You're listening to the first half of an unedited interview about the personal stories of amazing people and why they have come to believe what they do. The second half of these interviews are reserved for patrons only. If you like this show, visit my website, pryingpriest.com, for more content and to learn how you can become a patron of the show. Enjoy the first half of this interview. Welcome, Brian Bolt, to the Prime Priest Podcast. Thank you, Yuri. Should I call you Yuri or Father Yuri? Whatever you are more comfortable with, I'm fine. Okay, I'll probably I, just call you Yuri. <laughs> yeah, I have I have lots of friends who just call me Yuri. I, I have some... Uh, so some of the parishioners here at St. Maria's knew me when I was just Yuri, right? Even before yeah. Deacon Yuri, right? And then they'll be in conversation, be like, oh, Yuri. Oh, sorry, Father Yuri. <laughs> and like, whatever you want, whatever you want. Um, yeah, we, we got connected because you became a patron of the Prying Priest podcast. That's right. And I had not, I, I didn't know who you were or anything like that. And you were one of the first people that became a patron that I didn't know who you were. Right on. So yeah, how, how did you even, uh, come across this podcast? You know, we, we don't advertise on social media or, or, or anything. Yeah. 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 So yeah. How did I come across your podcast? So I, it's, it's kind of an embarrassing story, but I'll tell it. Uh, probably in 2016, I went to an Orthodox church in Calgary uh, for the very first time. I'd never been. So I went to go check it out. And at the church, I met um, who a future Prying Peace podcast uh, interviewer, uh, Max Harwood. Oh, yes, Max. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I met Max uh and we exchanged emails when I met him at, at the service uh, so that I could uh, ask him a few questions about orthodoxy because I was somewhat interested. And so we exchanged emails like in like 2016, 2017. And then we, just, we never conversed after that. And then uh, this past year, I was going through my emails, uh, trying to find the emails that we had corresponded with each other. And, and I couldn't find them for the life of me. Like they just disappeared from my Gmail inbox. No idea mm-hmm. where they went. So I, I was curious what he was up to a little bit. So I just Googled uh, Max Harwood and Trinity because yeah. I knew he was going to Trinity and the prime uh, priest podcast came up. And so I was like, yeah, it looks kind of interesting. Like nice. I, I listened to a fair amount of podcasts. So honestly, I expected to, to listen to his, his public episode and that would be kind of the, the only podcast of yours that I would listen to. But um, yeah. like I mentioned to you, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I just kind of like um, hearing people's stories that always interest me. And yeah. so I listened to a few other ones that were, that seemed interesting and then um, decided to become a patron. Yeah. Well, one of the, so our listeners will know that I have so far mostly interviewed people that I know at least somewhat, right? I, I only have, I think one interview with somebody that I had never met before the interview at all. And that's David Greisel, the architect right. from a while back. And you are somebody who I've basically never met. I don't know anything about you. I don't know your story. I don't know anything except for that you're a patron of the Prime Priest podcast. So, so you're obviously not, yeah. a great person. Hopefully I'm not terrible or, or crazy at least. Eh? Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Don't give our patrons a bad name here. Okay? <laughs> um, yeah. I, can you just give a quick rundown of 
uh, you know, w- where you are now, like what, what you're up to, where you are now, and then we'll trace it back to uh, earlier days. Sure. Yeah. I live in Red Deer, Alberta. Uh, moved here about a year ago, right before COVID started. I am a, my title is a rotating equipment engineer. So I work in gas plants, uh, processing plants, mainly with, with uh, machinery like compressors and turbines. Uh, so that's my, that's my day job. I have a family wife and two kids and yeah, that's, that's about it. Awesome. And what is your, so you said you were interested in people's stories. Are you interested in people's like religious stories or just people's stories in general? Or what, what was it particularly about the stories you heard on the prying priest that made you interested? Uh, a, a little bit of both. Like I am just like interested in, in people's stories, like just like how, how their lives unfold. Uh, and then part of it too is just, yeah, uh, how, how they think about God or, or don't think about God uh, or any, anything spiritual really. And just how, how that changed and how their life events uh, change their perception on things. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's dive into uh, how you think about God, but let's start a little earlier. Um, yeah. What, what's, uh, what was home life like in terms of religion and, and like, did you grow up in a religious household? Did you go to church growing up? What was that? What was that like? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I grew my, both my parents are Christians, although they had converted to Christian to Christianity kind of like right before they had kids. So like, it wasn't something that they necessarily grew up with, but it was something that, that, uh, me and my brothers grew up with. So for us, it was just like, it was a, we went to an evangelical church, uh, a Baptist church. Um, and so that, that's how, how I grew up. Um, we, I'd say we, we took it seriously. Like we would go to church every Sunday. It was, it was kind of a big part of, uh, of our family dynamics uh, was uh, being Christians and going to church. Was it a big part of your personal dynamics? Yeah, definitely. It, it was like, I think ever since like just, just growing up that way, um, I kind of took on the beliefs that, that were shown to me as I was a, a younger kid. And then, you know, I've, I've always been uh, a people pleaser type of a person. So, mm. you know, I always wanted to, to do good and, and do right. Um, especially for my parents and, um, yeah, there was, there was definitely like some, like I, I believed, I believed everything that I had learned, uh, to be true as well. Right. What, when was the first time you didn't believe something that you learned to be true? Like when was the first time you didn't accept some kind of teaching or some kind of perspective or, or when were you first faced with a challenge to your faith that you took seriously? Yeah. Like there was, there was always like, like small stuff, like where I would, I'd always like push back on, on some of the little things. So I was a bit rebellious in that sense where like, like things like, you know, growing up, we, we were taught, you know, tattoos weren't right. Or Halloween was not something that Christians should participate on in. And, and I, I, for whatever reason, like I always did push back a little bit on, on those things and wanted to rebel in the areas that I felt like weren't fundamental to, to my Christian faith. So anything on the periphery that seemed like rules, I, I always seem to push back mm-hmm. on those a, a little bit. Yeah. Have you ever had moments where you've pushed back against things that were maybe more central to your faith or have, has your pushing back always been reserved for the peripheral aspects of faith? Uh, growing, growing up, it was just the peripheral, but I would say in the last, 
in the last five years, it's been a lot more pushing back on, on it, on anything and everything. Right. Yeah. Before, before we get to that, cause I'm, that's, you know, that's the juicy stuff. Yeah. Um, in terms of your upbringing, is there any moment that you can point to that was a moment in which you see as a threshold a moment where you decided to take your faith seriously? Uh, no, no, I can't really think of anything. Like, I think just, just growing up, like I always just, just took it seriously. Uh, mm-hmm. never, I never really ha- had that moment where, you know, things really, really confronted me where I needed to maybe a little bit once I got into university and got, you know, out of my parents' household and away from uh, the church that I grew up in. Yeah. At that point I I had to start sort of making, start making some of my own decisions. Um, So maybe a a little bit then, but not, not growing up. When you look at growing up and you look particularly at the Christian, the, the Christianity that you've inherited, what is one thing that you see that is a benefit to your life now? And what's one thing that you see uh, as a detriment to your life now? Um, from things I hope that, that I, question makes sense. Yeah, from things that I, I learned growing up. Yeah, yeah, maybe the, the Christian atmosphere or the inheritance yeah. that you received. So I think some, some of the benefits, or at least one of the benefits is uh, treating other people with, with love and respect and um, almost being missional in, in the sense that, you know, we need to help other people, um, especially those who, who are in worse uh, circumstances than us. So that's something like I've always kind of clung on to and I really, really liked uh, in the way that Christianity was presented to me. Um, so that that definitely still kind of carries through is how I how I view other people and how I try to treat other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that that has been difficult for me is uh, Growing up, especially in the church that I went to and the circles that I was in, it was just uh, how certain we had to be about what we believe. Uh, so there's a big mm. emphasis that you need to believe a specific way. And if you don't believe that way, then you're not really a part of the church or a Christian or you're not really inside the group. You're outside of the group. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people tend to start drawing tighter and tighter circles. Yeah. Right? It's like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been approached on the street by any street evangelists, but might say like, oh, like, have you accepted Jesus? And you're like, yeah, like I'm a Christian. And then, the, and then they sort of shift to being like, okay, but now you have to be the specific type of Christian. Oh, but, yeah. but now, that, but if, even if you're that, you have to be a more specific, there's this um, constant drawing in and drawing in and drawing in and drawing in, right? Yeah, just drawing, drawing the boundaries, trying to figure out, you know, if you're, where you're right. in, where you're out. And it's it's a way of defining ourselves based on who we're not. Right. Yeah. Right. Which I am undecided how useful that is. Because on one hand, we as people, like I, I'm somebody, I'm a different person than you. Right. So there's yeah. just something natural about division. But at the same time, even that can break down at certain points um, where we are connected in many different ways. Anyways. Yeah. We'll save some of the deeper stuff for the Patreon uh, okay. Patreon side of it. Um, but but you said you started moving towards a space in the last five years or so where you you've been able to start um, challenging maybe some of the more foundational or fundamental aspects of of faith. 
without like right now i'm not asking particularly about the specific things that you're challenging yeah. but what what is it what what is it that led you to be able to get to that emotional space where you could do that kind of thing is it uh, just like kind of maturity and growing up or or what uh no i i don't think so i think it was it was a lot a little bit more just kind of uh, despair and, and just kind of finding myself there, whether I wanted to be there or not. Uh, and then there was some some things that I, I had like been learning or been confronted with uh, within the church uh, that really kind of that really kind of pushed me there to where I really mm-hmm. was was willing to start confronting uh, doubts that I had or things that I just wasn't sure about of uh, the things that I had learned growing up. And are these events in the church happened? Are these like general things that have happened, or like kind of very specific things that happened to you? Uh, so, I, for me, it just kind of um, being confronted with different forms of thought. So, so the big thing for me was, you know, I, I had moved away from Pincher Creek. That's where I grew up. And then when I'd moved back, so it's a small town. I moved back. We were going to the the church that I'd grown up with, growing up in. Uh, but the pastor there now was very like a very strong Calvinist, and, and so when I was confronted with kind of the the ideas of Calvinism, um, that really really changed the way that I viewed faith and how I should approach things. Right. Yeah. Was there any particular? Um, could we maybe zero in on like maybe one particular aspect of faith that was that stuck out at that time? aspect of faith as in maybe like a doctrine or a, or a way of thinking or a, a, a paradigm shift. Uh, yeah. The paradigm shift for me at that time was um, just uh, the confrontation with the, the Calvinist idea that, you know, we're all, all destined to hell or, you know, we're all going to end up in hell except for uh, the few people that, that God decides to save. And I had nothing in my life that, that I could really say that, you know, one, one in that line of thought, you can't say that you deserve it more than anybody else because that's not about what you deserve. So really to me, it just, it was like, like a lottery. Some people won and got in, other people lost and got out. And when I realized that, you know, I very well could have just lost it and, and not be, not be in, then, uh, why why am i afraid to to confront the things that you know i had kind of known would would push back on, on what i believe but i've been trying to ignore for a long time because you know i didn't want to shake shake the foundations of my faith yeah so uh correct me if i'm wrong because i want to make sure i'm understanding what you're saying here uh but from what i'm picking up it's that encountering this i this this calvinist idea of um some people are the elect, and so some people get to go to heaven chosen by God. Some uh, go to hell chosen by God, predestined. Um, that kind of encountering that idea uh, and accepting that idea gave you the confidence to then be more bold with your faith. Is, is Am I hearing that right? Uh, no, so I probably explained it wrong. So you got it half okay. right. But it, okay. it, it's not that I, I really accepted it, but I, I had lived in it for a number of years mm-hmm. and like I just I got to the place where I'm like 
okay, if that's true, then then maybe maybe I am out, and, and maybe it doesn't matter what I do. So maybe I should do oh, interesting. Yeah. do whatever I want and think. What, it was more maybe yeah. I should just think whatever I want. So you accepted. So this is fascinating. So it was in accepting the fact. It so it was in believing that there were some people predestined for heaven and some people predestined for hell, and believing that like, well, you're you're one of the people bound for hell, so it really doesn't matter what I do at this point. Is yeah. is is that closer? Yeah, that's closer. I wouldn't say I actually believed it, but but in a way, I just want like I almost wanted to rebel against the idea, and I thought. You know, oh, okay. I've been hearing this for forever, and so you know, maybe it is true, um, because there's there's a lot of people in my life that you know I love and trust who who believe that way, and and yeah, so I yeah. thought, well, may, who am I to say what's right and what's wrong? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if that is the case, then it doesn't matter what I think, and so I can think whatever I want. Right. Um, not having free will opens up your. <laughs> it, it makes you free. Because <laughs> you can just do whatever you want. That, yeah. And I don't have to feel responsibility for any of it. <clears throat> wow. Wow. That that's <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Most of the time when people think about double or believe in double predestination, they believe that they're the part of the people that's actually going to heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's but what right. if you believe that you were, you know, reprobate, you're destined for hell? What would you do with your life? Yeah. And, and so like bringing it back a little bit, that was also like, and it's partly to do with just how my personality is, but like for, for a long time before that, like I had felt that like, I just could never really connect with God. Like I had seen other people connect with God, like in, in the church circles that I was in. Um, So I always felt like a little bit on the outside and that always Mm. kind of bothered me a little bit. Like, for a while, like I felt like maybe I was doing things wrong or, or whatever, but there's always, um, especially in how I, I read s- some of the Bible, like I felt like, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe God doesn't want me. And so then when I really kind of confronted those ideas, it also kind of ignited that a little bit inside of me too. Yeah. What were ways that you were seeing people connect with God that you felt like you weren't connecting with God in that way? What were they doing? I, I think it was just more more on actually just how how they would explain uh, their what they would call their relationship with God or or how they would explain how they they saw God moving or acting in their lives. Um, I mm-hmm. I didn't have anything like I mean I've lived a very blessed life, but I didn't have anything where I could specifically say that no I'm I'm certain that this was God acting in my life. In compared to to my friends who weren't Christians who also had good things and bad things happening to them, so right, yeah, that language can be prob- that that Christianese language of talking about how God is moving in life can be problematic because first of all, people exactly that point people use it differently, right? Um, but also people uh, people tend to take on language that will make them feel like they belong in that community. Right. right. So you, you might speak that way when you're with your Christian church friends, but then you go hang out with other people and you don't speak that way. Right. Um, and yeah, one thing that I've been trying to do very consciously is do trying, I'm failing, but trying uh, is to speak the same way, whether I'm in a, it, let's say, in a very heavy church 
context, say with like we're at a priest conference or whatever, and there's all the priests around me. Uh, everybody is a priest around me. Or just like working at the barbershop and serving beers to local people or whatever, right? How, how can I speak the same way in both of those contexts, right? Yeah. And it's very difficult it's very difficult to do that because you want to you want to adapt the way you use language to fit in. Yeah, right? yeah, I see that being very difficult, especially as a priest, like as you oh, are. Yeah, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Just because, yeah, what you're trying to communicate is different, so the the words that you you use all the time are different. Yeah, and it, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a jargon. Like, there's nothing wrong with having an, an insider's language, as long as everyone on the inside knows what's going on. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, like, you know, scientific, we had Dr. Gail Wolleschuk a couple of weeks ago and we had that session with her. And one of the things she mentions is scientists have scientific language to be precise when they're talking with other scientists. But that language is not necessarily useful when you're talking with people who are on the outside. True. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, going back to... Um, yeah, so you were then willing to... You got to a place where you could be a bit more courageous with looking at the more fundamental aspects of your faith. Is that was that characterizing it right yeah. there? Yeah. Okay. Um, what was the first thing that you really <laughs> grappled with? Uh, one of the big questions. What was one of the first big questions? Yeah. Yeah. For for me, it was really uh, believing in, in young Earth creationism or or evolution. So I had been raised yeah. and taught, and not just by my parents, but like in all the Christian settings that I had been in, that I needed to believe that the earth was only 6,000 years old and that Adam and Eve were real people, that the flood was a, a literal event that happened um, exactly as it's told or portrayed in the Bible. And, mm -hmm. and so that was probably the, the first thing that, that I really questioned. Uh, part of it was um, just I, I didn't have like a great understanding of of that type of science, but, but going through engineering in school, I, I really learned how, or started to learn how, how science works and, you know, how we draw conclusions from data. And so that was the, the first thing that, that I really questioned. And, and even that, like, I, I knew if I questioned that it would, you know, move me outside of some people's Christian circle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. How, how did you handle or how do you handle when you have people that are close to you that have different beliefs than you? I just don't talk about it here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can be tough. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm not a confrontational person at all. Like uh, I very much try not to cause any type of commotion with people. So, so I, I generally don't speak my mind, especially if my, you know, what I think, uh, I know it's going to be different or difficult for, for that other person. Usually I just keep my opinions to my, myself. Right, right. Have you ever gotten into a big uh, argument with somebody, even though you're not confrontational? Uh, I would say that the only person that, that I have is, has been my wife. That'd be mm. the only person that like, we've That's really... That's a good place to have. That's yeah, a good place to have. I, a... I guess so. It's <laughs> not always fun, but it, it, I guess it is a good place to start, so... Well, usually, usually a spouse is somebody who does have your best interests at heart. So a True. disagreement can, it could be tough, it could be hard, but it can also be, it has the potential to be fruitful because you can't, 
because you're spending so much time in close proximity with each other. You have to learn how to live with each other. That's right. Yeah. yeah. My wife is not particularly interested in questions of theology. Okay. And uh, yeah, it, it's made, I was, we were reflecting about this yesterday, but I, I think it's made us, made me in particular, um, have a much more holistic understanding of like people. Okay. Right. So, yes. so if I had married somebody that was like gung ho Orthodox, right. And just like loved theology and loved doing every single church service and everything, I think I would have this idea that everybody would really like this stuff as long as I just taught them how amazing it was. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, Nikaila, she, she is an Orthodox Christian. She comes to church, but like, Honestly, some days it's a real slog, right? So it's it's tough for her sometimes to be kind of a full participant, right? Um, and like theology is boring. It's just frankly <laughs> boring to her. There's nothing exciting there for her, and uh, she just does not care about certain theological controversial issues at all. And it's helped me realize that I think that there are just some people for whom the theological debates and issues just aren't important. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's just me on a tangent there. <laughs> um, let's change gears a little bit here. Sure. And, and actually, no, let's, let's stay on it here. Cause I want to keep asking you about your, um, the aspects of your faith that you began questioning. So we talked about the young earth creationism versus evolution. Could you actually reflect a little bit on your, so Dr. Gail Wollestock was on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So she's an Orthodox Christian and a scientist who specializes in like evolution and, and things like that. And, and then for the patrons, we also had a live Q and a session with her for an hour and a half, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm wondering, would you be willing to give a little bit of uh, a reflection on what you got out of it and what you kind of agreed with or disagreed with and, and things like that. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it was really good. It, it's always interesting to, to hear people, you know, who, who spent a lot of time evaluating nature and, and then talking about, about God, um, you know, because I, I believe, you know, you can kind of see God, God in nature, although, um, it also can challenge a lot of the beliefs that you have about God and about how, how, how the world operates. So I found it really interesting just to hear her perspective on, uh, on things and, you know, how she, she mixes, you know, her, her scientific life with her, with her Christian faith and Christian life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was there anything in particular that she said or, or anything that jumps out at right now? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. I, I, I don't, just so our listeners know, I don't give any questions <laughs> to my guests beforehand, mostly because I don't prepare any questions. Like <laughs> I, this is a conversation. I don't have any questions in front of me for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's all, it's all good. Uh, I think just, uh, just how, how she thinks about miracles and how, how we witness miracles. That's just something I've never really given a whole lot of thought, thought to or thought about. So it was interesting to, to hear what she had to say about them. Are you part of a church community now? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my wife and I, we go to uh, the Alliance Church in Red Deer. And if somebody would ask you the question, 
stop you on the street. Stranger stops you on the street and says, do you believe in God? What would you say? I would say that I hope that he's real. Or, yeah. That, that I hope, hope that he, he's real and that I hope that uh, the, the portrayal of God to Christianity is true. Um, because if that isn't true, then uh, there's a lot that there's a lot of despair and, and meaningless in the world. So I can't say that I know that it's true, but I hope that it's true. And I'm trying to live as if it's true. So, okay, I guess let, let's 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 keep talking about this. Okay. So if you had a scale of one to ten. 10 is I'm sure God exists and like without a, without a, without a doubt and one being, um, or zero being, I know that God does not exist. Yeah. Right. Uh, where would you plot? What number would you plot yourself on? It, you feel, by the way, feel free to reject yeah. the question as well. No, no, it's it's a good question. It, it varies day to day, and it varies. Um, okay, yeah, it varies day to day, and it will vary between one and one and maybe seven. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So, what would let's 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 pretend you're having a seven day. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like the you know the roses smell beautiful. <laughs> the morning coffee was just you know perfect. Right. Yeah. Um. If the kids are behaving, you know, it's, it's a great day. So you're, you're at a seven. What would get you to a nine? Uh, I, I think the only thing that would get me, get me beyond a seven would be if I had something happen in my life where it felt like I witnessed God acting um, in some way, shape, or form where I couldn't say that it was anything else, um, that it wasn't random or, or chance or just the way things happen, where it was, you know, evident that, that it was, you know, God intervening in life, then, then I would be convinced. So do you, let's say when you're at a, in your believing mood, do you think that God can only, do you believe that God can only, do you think that God can act without using the natural world? In, in, in other words, yeah. if God was to do a miracle in your life, yeah. it, can, can he do a miracle in your life without using the natural world? Uh, that's, that's a good question, I guess. I would say not he wouldn't be able to do it in a way where we could accept it as believable I I don't think. And so I'm just trying to think of you know if if we were to witness God, you know what how how would we experience that? And so all of our experiences that I know are are natural, right? So whether it's through sound or, or sight or or touch, all of those things would be, would be natural processes that that we're sensing. So, yeah. So I don't even know what a like what a non non natural or a supernatural experience would be. I, I guess um, yeah. how how would we 
how would we experience that? And, you know, what faculties would we use to experience that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a very fascinating question. Yeah. Okay. So you meet somebody on the street (laughs) and they are a 10 out of 10 believe God exists. Right. Yeah. And they say, you know what? I wish I had this, you know, your skepticism of being a seven. How do I, how do I, how do I step down that ladder? What do I have to do to not be a 10 anymore? Uh, I think a big part of it is, is searching out viewpoints that are different than yours and then listening to them without writing it off right away. So I think a lot of the time when, when we hear explanations that don't line up with our worldview, we're very quick to, to judge and look for the reasons why they're wrong. I think if you can look for the reasons why they're right and just think about things as if you accept it to see kind of, you know, what you see and where that brings you at, then I think, you know, you might be able to start seeing that there's reasons to doubt what you know. Do you think that God is a being outside of creation? Let's say in your believing mood. Yeah. I... Or when you when you think about God, right? Do you do you picture him as a being who is outside of creation? So, I I used to, um, I used to, and that was part of of kind of the questions and the deconstruction that I had was um, when I really thought about how I thought about God. Um, I realized that that if you think of God like that, it, for me, it, it didn't make didn't make sense. Um, and, and so to get into that, like the, the first real question that, that I approached that kind of question, how I thought about God was, um, you know, there's a big emphasis, uh, in evangelicalism to, uh, ensure that, you know, that God is, is male and that he's, you know, the father. And like, is that the language that you use? Like, like male, male. Yeah. Yeah, like if if you wow. ever to focus on like the female attributes of God, then that would be like outside of the circle, right? And yeah. and so like when I really thought about that, though, like I thought, you know, like what what makes us male? Like I don't know, is it like our, our genitalia? So does does God have a, a penis? It is like the question, like well. <laughs> Yeah. Does that make sense? What What does he need it for? I don't know. And then, and then just like from there, it just kind of spiraled down. It's like, well, you know, if if he has to have like you know those parts, then then he needs a body. And if he has a a body, then there needs to be like you know, if you zoom in on it, there's the part where he is and the part where he isn't. So the part that is God and and not God. And so then he needs to be made of something to differentiate between those two, two parts and, um, to give him form. Mm-hmm. And, and then, so the more just like I started going down that, that rabbit hole, I realized that, you know, how I thought about God, you know, I did think of him as a personal kind of almost physical being, even though I wouldn't have said physical, but you know, an entity that's right. You could point to it. Yeah. That you could point to and say that this is where he is and this is where he isn't. Um, I realized that that, that made no, no sense because then, you know, he's kind of limited by 
whatever makes him. And so now I, I don't know how to think about God. Um, so, so part of, part of my deconstruction was just really losing the, the concept or construct I had of God in my mind. Um, as I started to question things like that. Well, Brian, you have found the way to salvation because you have said, I don't know how to think about God. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a strange thing. Um, what is one aspect of Christianity that makes you very uncomfortable and one aspect of Christianity that gives you a lot of hope? Maybe perhaps not for you personally, or maybe for you personally, or maybe for like the wider Christian church or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uncomfortable or hopeful, uh, both of those questions. Yeah. So, so for uncomfortable, uncomfortable and it's, you know, I'm, I'm mainly coming from, an evangelical background. So it's the, the certainty that what we believe is right. And that it, the most important thing is to believe a certain thing about God and about the world. And, and that uh, the way that we interpret the Bible now is the way that it should be interpreted and that we need to, um, make other people live up to the expectations of our interpretation. So that's what makes me most uncomfortable. Um, and then as far as what makes me most comfortable, I, I would say that the idea that, that all human beings are made in the image of God and um, therefore, you know, deserve respect um, independent of what they have done or what their life situation is, I think that might be the uh, the one that gives me the most hope. Hmm. Why do you attend a Christian church, but not, let's say, any other religious, like temple or mosque or something else? What What is it about the Christian thing that, why do you hitch your horse to that wagon? Right. So, so part of it is because that's how I was raised. So that, that's what I know. Um, I like that answer. Yeah. I don't, I, I can't claim that I would yeah. have come to come to Christianity had I not been raised in a Christian household. Yeah. Um, and then I haven't, I haven't researched a lot of other religions in depth. Uh, but the whole narrative in Christianity that, that, that God came down to the world and experienced it through Jesus, um, and that whole idea is just, it, it still captivates me and it still kind of gives me hope. And I, yeah, it, it gives me, it gives me some hope and joy. So I like that aspect about it. Um, and then a, a big portion too is because my, my wife still takes her beliefs very, very seriously and going to a Christian church is obviously very important to her. So, um, it just kind of like this is kind of what our family does not even just like you know the family i grew up in but this is what our family does as well right can you tell me a bit more about the church you go to like uh what what what's it like what's a sunday morning like yeah it's i mean let's say not during covid times yeah not not during covid normal times it's it's like just like a very very typical evangelical church so you know you show up there is um 
somebody says something for a little bit and then you sing some songs and then you'll pray and then you'll sing a few more songs or have some announcements and then sing some songs and then uh, the pastor will get up and preach for about half an hour. Then you sing one more song and you're all done. Great. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we are going to give a little bit of a teaser for the pa- for the pat- patron interview. Okay. Right? So, you know, uh, things like my wife is going to come say hi and we'll ask you a couple of questions, you know, on the patron side of things. I'm also going to ask you on the patron half about lots of evangelicals grow up with a hatred for Catholics and Catholicism. So I think we're going to talk about that, right? Sure. Um, the, the interview that is released the week before this interview, Brian, is yeah. with another Brian. Oh, sweet. who is uh, a professor in Eastern Christian Studies, who's uh, a, a member of the Catholic Church. Okay, interesting. Uh, very, very, very uh, eloquent speaker. So, um, yeah, so we can talk a little bit about the Catholic Church and evangel- your upbringing in terms of what you grew up thinking okay. about the Catholic Church. Yeah. Uh, and then also your connection with the Orthodox Church as well. Sure. Um, I'm not even sure to what degree. Is it just that you know or you visited once? Like, I don't even know how you're connected with the Orthodox Church right now. Um uh, but before I get to my last question, I'm wondering, Brian, again, for our listeners, I don't prep Brian with any of this stuff. So I'm throwing it all on the spot. Can you give a little, like we're talking 30 second reflection, like what uh, about the Patreon side of this podcast? Like, why do you enjoy it? Why are you a patron? Uh, so I, I'm uh, you know, partially I'm just a patron because, you know, I appreciate what you're doing and I understand that, you you know, when I joined, you didn't have a whole lot of patron support. So, yep. um, I like, you know, I felt like, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't support a lot of them, but, you know, this would be a good one that I'd like to see, see, keep going. So yep. that was kind of the main reason, but mm-hmm. really it's, it's just a, a very good continuation of, of all the interviews that you have on the, the public side, um, I'd say, you know, the, the quality and, and the interest is just, you know, just as good on the, on the Patreon side. And, you know, I, I like that you do get into, you get a little bit more technical on, on some of the questions and, and you do push people a little bit more um, and you get some interesting answers, especially pushing them like about, you know, what, what they believe um, that might not be so kosher uh, within the the circles that that they're in so that's always a little interesting too right right yeah what's your favorite episode of the prying priest Mm. i would say my favorite episode would probably be uh dan opperwall i think oh yeah yeah he just he seems like such a nice guy i don't know he is a nice guy he's yeah i was just like yeah he just seemed like such a nice guy i also really appreciated uh nina dearth's episode Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was another kind of favorite of mine. Um, the, the Greisel one was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Braden Simmons was the oh, one that yeah. I identified the most with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love talking with Braden. Yeah. Braden, he's, a, he's a patron too. Oh, really? Oh, right um, on. Yeah. 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 Uh, Braden, he was my first patron after my mom. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. No, Braden's one of those people where he just has that, that natural knack to be able to key in on the thing that you like that you're that you think you're sure about in your faith and he'll be like but have you thought about it this way and i'm like oh no don't do this to me (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's like funny listening to his story. Like, like, yeah, I feel like we probably listened to a lot of the same, same podcasts um, when he deconstructed and, and when I did. So be interesting right. to hear. Yeah. So I like to ask this question because you get a variety of different stories. But if I, if I use the phrase, a memorable religious experience, is there any story that comes to mind? And it could be a positive or a negative story, yeah. but a, a memorable religious experience. Sure, sure. I guess that the first one that comes to mind is, so when I was in high school or kind of that age, like during the summers, I, I went out to the West Coast with YWAM, so Youth with a Mission, mm-hmm. um, to do like summer, summer outreach programs. And they'd always bring in like different speakers. And this, this one year they had brought in this like speaker who was like fairly charismatic. And, you know, he, he really believed that, you know, we could hear God speak to us, you know, audibly or in a way that we could understand and hear and that we would know. And so like he, he led this exercise. I can't even remember how it went where, you know, he was trying to get us all to hear hear God's voice or hear God speak to us. And like, there was like six or seven of us and like everybody did except for me. (laughs) And so, and so everybody quote unquote did. Yeah. Right. Right. So like, and, but, but at that age, like, I just like, I, I didn't know how to, how to take that. So like, yeah, but, but everybody had claimed that they had gotten this word from God that was very special and meaningful to them. And, you know, people were, crying and i was just standing there like uh, I, I know i didn't hear anything like it's pretty obvious like no nope, nothing nothing there and so that that's always like stuck out with me and and then stuck with me so that would probably be my my most memorable one you've just finished listening to the first half of this interview find out how to access the second half by visiting my website pryingpriest.com we'll see you next time Say, why would you look outside yourself when you have all of the world inside?